Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Coaches, the Jamoti Podcast is powered by Shoot360. The future of basketball has arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth. Shoot360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development. The result is a -a one-of-a-kind video game-like basketball program designed to improve your shooting, dribbling, and passing. Visit Shoot360DFW.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoot360, the future of basketball is here. I think we deal with confidence a lot at the junior high level. You know, kids' confidence goes up and down. High school, they they struggle with it. But I think a lot of high school players and coaches may forget that College players, pro players struggle with confidence too. So as a college coach, how do you help them uh, when you see their their confidence maybe going down? Yeah, and again, this my experience in Division Three really helped me with these uh, type A personalities. Heavy tension, uh, they expect to achieve. And uh, you'd have some really good shooters not shooting it. And they didn't know if I felt it was, I, you know, I don't know why they weren't, but every time they shot it before it went in or out, I would say great shot. I mean, before I saw the result and for some reason that seemed to help. And then in film work there, I probably showed as many misses as mm-hmm. I did makes for positive offense. You know, in just trying to get them to understand that's a championship shot. And so I, I do think uh, if, if in the mindset of that shooter, of the person trying to make that play, uh, if they think I have to make that shot, there's too much tension. Uh, they become tight. Uh, they're probably thinking about the wrong things. Their identity probably might be placed um, in a different spot and it's all about making that shot to please people. Yeah. Uh, and, but there's a difference between I have to make that shot as opposed to, I have to take that shot and I can live with the consequences, um, whether it goes in or out. Right. And so, and again, sometimes as adults, you have to give them the freedom to lose you have to give them the freedom to miss that shot and say, everybody in the room, are you okay with him taking that shot? And they all say, absolutely, because he's the best shooter that we've got. And he missed it. You know, we again, we always want to like, I don't know, toot our own horn and say, you know, this is when it worked out. This is when well, sometimes it doesn't work out and you did everything right. That's right. There, there is such a thing as like you play the odds. Vegas knows this more than anything else. There's a reason Vegas looks like Vegas. Yep. They know the odds. But in sports, at a young age, you don't know the odds. But but as a coach, the older you get, you kind of know the odds. And you got to play towards those odds. And, like, we have to take that shot. You have to take that shot. And we can live with the consequences. We all agree that that's, that's a good one for you. And the next time that happens, you're going to knock it down. Well, it's an unbelievable thing when you give someone – the freedom to do that, how many shots they end up making for you over the course of the year, over the course of the career. 
Uh, I wrote something down on the board years ago. And, and again, sometimes players teach you a lot. And they said, man, that really helped. And I said, every decision you make at that particular time is the right one with the wisdom and knowledge you have at that time. Hmm. Now you may gain some more wisdom after that pass or that shot or, or whatever, but as I like, don't look over at me. That's like, I gave you as much as I could, you know, as much as you can. So every decision you make is the right one uh, with the knowledge that you have at that particular time. And for some reason with high achievers, that freedom up. And they said, and I've had multiple guys say that. And I was like, well, I'm going to use that after you've taught them. Like you don't want to use that one too early because if they don't know, they don't know. But uh, I don't know. There, I mean, there's just, it's never one thing. Yeah. You know, program, it's never one speech. It's, it's the consistency of focus and effort. It's the uh, perseverance, you know, relentless patience, uh, developing somebody and, you know, they're, they're working on a skill and they think they're terrible because they can't do it. And, you know, hopefully you've thought about it enough. You've coached enough. And you said, man, you're, you're three reps away. They don't know they're three reps away, but you do. So uh, like that. Let, yeah. let them know, like you're pretty close. And then there's a couple of drills that you do and you, and you know that they're three reps away. Well, like this is normal. Like you should be like, you know, shooting that inside hand layup in the heel of the rim. Said, so I'm not worried about that. I said, I know you'll get that at a certain time. I think that mentality that you have that you've cultivated towards your shooters is is so huge. I, I was reading a book and I blanking on the author's name, but I think the title was Stillness is the Key. And in that book, he talks about dart throwers, which in in my opinion, it's very similar to what shooting is, is yes. throwing an object at a dart. And even though, you know, different from darts, we have an opponent that can move and we're moving, but it's still the same action. But he said he called it willful will. If you're a dart thrower and you're ha and you have, you're trying to will it, I really need to hit the bullseye. I want so badly. He said, odds are you won't. So we have to eliminate that willful will in our shooters and and what like you told them just be willing to take it i love the idea as soon as it leaves our hand if that was in your shot selection scale what you guys have are found a, a championship shot like you said as soon as it leaves their hand great shot it's good it's good i mean that reinforces to them the next one oh i don't care about what just happened i'm gonna do that again coach that's right. that's great yeah that's uh but again it's I feel like I've been so fortunate to coach so many different levels and types of kids. And so we all probably want to coach a certain type of kid, but, but I've had like so many varieties and we got to coach them all. Uh, yeah, but so coach, where did that come from though? Like, have you always had that mentality uh, to teach shooters that way? Because I would, you know, I, I think along the same lines as you, I don't know if I always did, and I definitely, when I'm on the sideline, I don't know if you've heard this before, when you hear the other coach screaming about we're you're taking bad shots, stop taking dumb shots, only good shots now. Like when they're saying those things, I'm thinking, I don't know if they if everybody really knows what that means. Where did that come from for you? Uh, I, I mean, that's a, that's a good question, but I think we always start with, 
um, there, there's a clarity that we have, and, and we show them an NBA effective field goal percentage uh, shot chart, and we show them what the best players in the world where they what their numbers are. Mm. So right elbow, left elbow, and probably everybody that's ever played for us can repeat those numbers. Like it's 39.2 at the left elbow and it's 39 over here at this right. This Kyrie Irving, it feels like he makes 90%. Nope. These are his numbers. These are. And so, and then we, we go a little bit deeper is like when you get around the rim, we, we, we create a document and that there's, almost like pizza slices in front of the rim and then your hand to the glass on each one of the sides. And there's, there's a little area in between them. And we, we do the, the, uh, the documents like white slices, like the ball just doesn't go in. Mm. Like it's really hard. And so we give them a clear destination and we call them destination drives. And like, these are the spots you want to get to, to make these shots. And so, and I think it does free them up because and I call it freedom from choice is like, this is where you want to go. Um, you know, you can compare it to the hundred meters is like, they're pretty aggressive in getting to the end of the hundred meters. Nobody's like hesitating. Nobody's getting lost. Nobody's veering off into different lanes. Like they know where they want to go. So, you know, sometimes what, however you play, if you can give them a clear destination of where they want to get to, that helps. And then there's a, the next segment of it is like, I can't get there. Like my skills don't allow me to get to the spots that we know are the best available spots ever. And that's where we came up with the term protection plans. So that when you can't get there, you're trying, you know, we're acquiring the skills and we always start with the end so we're finishing in those spots where, you know, special footwork that we would do a stride stop in those areas before you can ever have the ability to actually get to those spots. We've already taught you. And then eventually your skills may lead you to get to those spots, but it doesn't mean you're worthless that you can't get to those spots that we've defined. And we've been very clear on how to get there. So we protect you with, if you're driving and I can't, like it's a big deal to be able to get your foot in that charge circle if you're finishing. So the good players do that. The bad players have no idea. So even if they have your protection plans of stride stopping and getting there, well, they're outside that charge circle and they're stopping in a really bad area. And it's really hard to make any passes behind the defense. So one thing that's really helped those players before they can actually get into that circle to try to score it would say, if you can't get there, keep your dribble alive. So don't pick it up. Uh, and it might be, and then we're going to try to teach everybody how to post up. But you know what? I'm in high school and I'm 5'4", and the guy that's guarding me is six foot. It's a bad matchup. It's okay. So now you're down there around the basket, and you can you go underneath the basket? Can you keep your dribble alive and go underneath? There's... Most times there's more room under there than you think. Yeah. They don't know that. So what do you call that? Like I, I, we've called it a Nash before, but yeah, that's, I'm I'm noticing that that some of the names that the kids are forgetting who Steve Nash is now. I know. And so, (laughs) so I've always used Nash. uh, Barkley is another one. Right. 
I'm and, thinking I'm calling it Brunson because you know being in Dallas Fort Worth, Brunson right. from he was well, great he's at very that. Good. Yeah, and then but, you know some people would call it a hockey because you can go underneath the hockey net uh, and do that. Uh, but then sometimes there's not room under there, so you dribble out the ball side, which is actually a really good play because you flattened the defense. So I've dribbled with my right hand. I've got below the block. I couldn't get into the charge circle. And I just go out ball side. And that wing has lifted a little bit to give me room. But again, anytime you can flatten the defense, treat it like an accordion, and then bring it back out, people do crazy things with their closeouts. And oh, so, yeah. so this that. one, yeah. you, you help that player instead of just throwing up a bad shot or turning it over, you've protected him while he's trying to get to the spots where we said, this is gold, but you're not good enough to get to gold. Doesn't mean that you're not a good enough player to help us win. You can just like make this possession last a little bit longer and we might be able to get to a better player and flatten a defense and then bring them back out. And then all of a sudden we've got something new to attack. Um, so that's what we would say. We're, we're protecting you while you acquire your skills. Uh, now how it all developed. I don't know. Like I, I know, I, I know exactly when I knew I was doing it wrong and I was, and I was at Iowa Western junior college coach, 25, 26 years old. And I had two separate distinct parts of practice. And one, I'm working like all the Pete Newell stuff because I had the Pete Newell video from Hawaii and they had the Hawaiian shorts on and Kiki Vanderway's in there. And I mean, just, I mean, it was awesome. So Pete Newell's teaching this footwork from the post and they could take it out at the perimeter. It's all the same stuff. If the guy plays you this way, you drive that way. If he plays you this way, great. But I had five man motion going on at the same time. And so I had a staggered screen going on when we went to team offense. And so this kid that I worked with on all these moves, and he was great at them. All of a sudden, guys playing him this way on the wing, and I got a staggered screen going on up top where all of it's crowded, and he drives it in there, just like I taught him about half an hour earlier. And I start to yell at him, what are you doing? It's crowded over there. <laughs> and he didn't say a word because he was a great kid. And then as I'm saying it, I was like, I don't know how to fix this, mm. uh, but I know there's a disconnect and it was kind of a pursuit of like, how do I get this so that I can, the individual stuff fits with the team stuff. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, it's not easy. You got to think about yeah. how you want to play, who you have and all that stuff. But I didn't like what I was doing. Not the teaching wise. The teaching was great. The five man motion was great. And the individual was great. It just didn't connect. And I hated yelling at that kid. But when you're 25, you're just yelling. Like, you don't know why. You just want to protect your ego as a coach. Because I was right on one part. And I wanted to, I didn't want anybody to think that I wasn't right on the other part. So it's a, I was, I was just trying, you just trying to like say, guys, I can coach. Yeah. But I really put them both in a tough bind. I think it's a great nugget, Coach, right there of, of for all of us to take time to look at the individual skill work portion of your practice and make sure this, the things that you're – how many coaches, how many times have I had my guys working on things that actually don't do that within our scheme? 
<laughs> it looks great. I watched a video on it. Uh, this this NBA skills trader does it, but it's not necessarily leading my guys to success, winning championship shots. And, yeah. and that's a that's a great nugget. And and I do think there there's some value to doing some film work with your team afterwards. It's not really with your team; it's more for you, and and just just make a highlight tape basically and stuff that looks good to you. And I remember doing it the first time we did a lot of five man motion, like pure motion. Uh, and Bob Bob Huggins type stuff from the early days. Um, and so we spent so much time coming off these curls and shooting these kind of elbow jumpers in practice. And so I'm like, I'm trying to find those a little bit in, in the highlights. And I think we had two. Yeah. So does it add up the practice time we're putting towards that? Now, did we get the screener popping? Sure we did. So I'm not saying that that curling off of it was bad. I'm just saying like, we spent a lot of time that for things that didn't show up. Mm. And so sometimes when you just look at a, at a season, you're saying what looked good to me and have no agenda. And then, and then you say, I want more of that. Yeah. How do I get that? And again, I don't, I'm not telling you how to get it, but you, you're thinking in a different way. Like there's something that these kids got that was, uh, that was a byproduct maybe. It's like, I want more of that. I want more of that wing to wing bypass. And maybe that turns into an offense in itself. I think maybe it takes it full circle back to the clarity, the things on your napkin. Yes. You you could take your napkin and maybe you cross some things out based on what you just saw, what you guys are actually doing. And, and you're just, you're able to connect. And then like, I love what you said, not that the guys have to coach, but that at the end of their year, at the end of the year, if they like at a high school level, could I take my players to our junior high and say, hey, put in put in what we do, teach what we do. <laughs> Can you be clear with them on what we do? I, I I feel good about a couple of them. I think they could. And but because we're pretty simple and and, and we try to be clear with what we're teaching. But well, w- one of the fastest ways to teach somebody is to teach them and then have them teach somebody else. Mm. And so I was very fortunate to know, to know coach Meyer, Don Meyer, uh, at Lipscomb and then at Northern state. But, uh, you know, a lot of his philosophy was based off of those camps and, and all those guys worked at the camps and we did the same thing at Bethel and, and, and we taught those guys how to teach. It wasn't a camp where, you know, like the basketball player has a ball on his hip and he's dribbling while these little kids are, yeah. We hot shot, knockout. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't that at all. Like we were, we were coaching them how to teach. Yeah. And it mattered to us. And so we would take them the night before and we would go through camp of all the things that we were going to teach, but they were freshmen and it was amazing. Um, you know, they're new to our program. We just recruited them and they're going to be working camp. And I, if you walked in there, you'd say, well, that's an illegal division three practice and say, have at it. It's not, uh, it is exactly what we do, but we're going to teach these seven-year-olds, uh, 13 year olds, 15 year olds, uh, all this same stuff. And so we're teaching our guys how to do it and you got it. You're good. 
they're, you know, they're starting to kind of figure it out how to do it and how to pop the ball and how to stop and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think we're good. And to see the deer in the headlights at nine o'clock in the morning when we had those little kids and like, uh, they don't know how to teach. <laughs> they don't know how to talk to them. And then yeah. their first response, a lot, you know, the ones that aren't great teachers would be, I got bad kids. They don't care. And I said, nope, I'm not buying it. I said, make them care. You need to be more passionate about it. And it's a struggle. Like you, and they don't know the terms yet. And you're, you you got to be over there and you got to whisper it to them. You got to help them how to teach it. And then, you know, by the end of the week, they're getting a little bit better. Well, that second year, the worst teachers we've ever had, they've become great teachers hmm. and they take pride in it. And then they're saying like, coach, I'm so much better at, at controlling this basket. Yeah before and so that was a big part and and when i was in division three i just i i I would tell my division one friends guys i don't know if it can be done but if you ever go back to division three if you know if if i ever go back to division one this is a model that really helps teaching Mm -hmm. uh really helps people understanding the game and helps them grow better and again again i think this is a I think this is, I know this is true. When you, when you give your gifts away for free, uh, you end up benefiting in ways that you'll never understand. And so when they give their gifts away, their knowledge, their teaching to those kids, they're, they have no idea how much they're getting back in return. And you're teaching them how to talk Mm. to other people. So now, now it's, it's not the first time they've ever tried to teach a teammate. Uh, so I, so I think there's some, so much value there. Unfortunately, the camp business is not very good in, 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 and I'm not like bashing AAU or anything. Uh, there are certain States where it is and Minnesota. It's still great. Yeah. Like they still value, they'll come to camps and they'll learn in certain States. I think it is, but I, I did the value it is for like teaching your guys how to teach, which eventually it's, it's teaching them really how to talk to other teammates. Yeah. So, and, and I was also thinking maybe have a little more appreciation too for what we do. Yeah. Because I, I had I had a couple of my varsity guys coach um a a spring shootout with some of our up and coming freshmen and watching them on the sideline with our future Lions, one of them came up to me. He said, "Coach, I just I don't know how you do it." but so there is a part of the teaching but then it also doesn't hurt to have them uh, understand and appreciate what we do right yeah no doubt about it thank you for checking out today's episode please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast share it with your fellow coaches and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti podcast it's just a matter of doing it